As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. I was 41 years old, out hunting in a remote and appropriately named area. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. When something truly bizarre caught my attention. There, on the ground, was a dark purple object the size of an 18-wheeler, resembling a bat wing. It had a drawbridge-like door that stood open. Nearby, I spotted three creatures engaged in trying to capture an alligator. These beings wore what seemed like golden crowns, had human-like faces with long hair, and possessed sharp, lion-like teeth. They donned breastplates resembling cast iron. The most astonishing aspect was the presence of four wing-like protrusions and scorpion-like tails on each creature. Initially, the creatures were unaware of my presence. However, when one of them spotted me, I quickly reacted and fired my 12-gauge shotgun. The shot hit one of the creatures in the chest, knocking it down momentarily. But astonishingly, it swiftly got back on its feet and retaliated by firing some sort of implement that dangled from its waist. A beam-like light struck my wrist, leaving behind a scar. Unfortunately, the incident resulted in the loss of most of the functionality in my arm. Undeterred, I fired another shot, prompting the humanoids to rise into the air and retreat back inside their object. The door closed, and the craft took off at an incredible speed. From that day forward, I vowed never to hunt in those woods again, forever haunted by the unnerving encounter. I consider myself a very analytical person, not easily swayed by something I see or feel. This is the reason why it took me so long to write this up, and if you read my earlier post, you would understand. This happened in October of 2017. It was right around 5 p.m. I was just doing my daily patrol through a farming community close to my station that was mostly abandoned after sunset due to trespassing, theft, and mischief. After making rounds checking empty buildings and barns with little to no activity, I headed back towards the main road about 500 meters from where I started off at. As I got closer to the paved asphalt of the highway, there were farm fields on each side of me as far as my eye could see. To my immediate right was a large pumpkin field that had mature pumpkins, and although the ones closer to me were ripe, I noticed some green ones on others further in the distance. I slowed down quite a bit when I saw this, so I could take a better look at them just in case there might be someone trying to steal them. Although it was getting dark, it wasn't quite sunset yet. As I got closer, just within the 30 meters of these pumpkins, something caught my attention. It was similar to when you catch movement out of your peripheral, but when you look over, there's nothing there. So naturally, I've been in countless situations in which I've had to defend myself or apprehend someone. I immediately slowed down, put my cruiser in park, reached for my flashlight, and grabbed the pepper spray on the passenger side. As I was reaching for these items, I noticed something very small crawling across this large rock next to the pumpkins. At first glance, it looked like a little misshapen little man. It didn't seem to have any gender or sex, nor did it appear to be an adolescent child due to its size. Before stopping, 
shifting into reverse, and backing up, the creature apparently sensed me somehow and quickly scampered off behind the pumpkin towards a thicket of trees. The whole thing happened so fast that all I could do was put the car back in drive and proceed back to the station. When I got home, I decided to try and look online for what this might have been. I came across this subreddit. Now, months later, after counseling through an officer assistance program, I feel comfortable being able to talk about it without feeling like I need somebody to watch over me 24-7. It had to have either been a gnome, a troll, or a goblin, as ridiculous as it sounds, made even admitting that they're real. I'm a night owl. I always stay up late at night and watch TV. I just happened to look out my window one night and saw what I initially thought was a man, sitting on a roof. I thought it was a man, because at first, he looked almost naked, until I saw the hair or fur on him. He then turned his face and what I saw then was frightening. He had pointed ears, like a dog, and a long snout. They were almost like a German shepherd's ears. I could not understand what I was looking at. I just stared at him for a few minutes. I felt like if I moved, it would see me. It sat there on its butt, with human-looking arms and legs, but with hair or fur covering them. I backed away from the window very slowly and went to tell my husband. He didn't want to get up and go look, because he thought I was imagining it. I went back to the window and it was gone. I don't know or understand what I saw that night, but I did tell my husband and kids what I saw. It has haunted me for many years until I was just telling a few of my grandchildren, recently at camp. One of them got on the computer and found some pictures of what they thought I meant. It was so scary. I was looking at the same thing I saw on the roof that night. I could not believe it. As I sit here looking at that picture I did not know it really existed many many years ago. As a ranger at the national park, I was accustomed to the routines and responsibilities that came with the job. Locking up for the night was one such task, and on this particular evening, I leaned against my trusty truck, savoring the last drag of my cigarette. With a flick, I extinguished the butt and made my way to the main office. Inside, I diligently switched on the security cameras and motion sensors that safeguarded the small complex. The park's tranquility at night was both soothing and eerie. I knew I had only one loop to run before I could call it a night myself. The forest was peaceful, with only the occasional rustle of leaves to break the silence. The clearings created by past fires and the access road that ran along each side of them offered a serene beauty even in the dim light. My mind was at ease as I walked along the well-worn trail, checking for any signs of trouble or disturbance. Then, something caught my eye as I glanced south down the road. There, at one of the campsites, stood a lone figure. It appeared too short to be an adult, and the way it moved seemed unnatural. My heart skipped a beat as I dropped my cigarette, extinguishing it under my boot without breaking my gaze. Instinctively, I reached for the radio on my belt and began making my way towards the mysterious figure. I had heard my fair share of strange reports from campers and hikers, but this felt different. The superstitions about monsters in national parks came to mind, but I tried to suppress such thoughts. 
With each step, my heart raced, and I felt a mix of fear and excitement. As I got closer, I realized the figure had disappeared, leaving behind only a burnt-out campfire. Puzzled, I scanned the clearing, looking for any clues. The night was calm, and the moonlight cast an ethereal glow over the scene. There was no sign of anyone else around, and the silence felt almost suffocating. Campfires were strictly forbidden in this area, which only added to my sense of unease. As I returned to my truck, a wave of curiosity washed over me. This was just one of the many strange occurrences that rangers had to deal with in the park. Reports came in, but most could be easily explained as people engaging in reckless behavior. However, there were always those few reports that defied explanation. They lingered in the back of my mind, reminding me that there might be more to this world than we can comprehend. And I was eager to share these mysteries with others, hoping to uncover the truth behind these enigmatic encounters in the wilderness. As I drove back to the main office, I couldn't help but wonder what other peculiar stories awaited me in this vast national park. I was determined to keep my eyes and ears open, ready to face whatever strange and inexplicable phenomena lay ahead. Last week I went with a female friend to the Vilawee forest in the Netherlands hiking for two days and one night. We had a pretty intense encounter with an unknown cryptid, during the day we gathered during our breaks some lingonberries which are now present in huge quantities. So when we finished hiking on the first day, we had set up our tent somewhere in the middle of the dense forest, we like it that way I suppose, and the dark had set in and the only light we had was from a little head torch which we had hung around a branch. We were cooking the lingonberries, not realizing that the scent could attract something. After maybe five minutes of cooking I heard something, a big cryptid, move some leaves and already whispered to my friend, we have got company. The sound disappeared for a minute or so and suddenly the most long-stretched, deep, moaning grunt came out of the blackness, maybe from about 10 to 15 meters or so. The blood froze in my veins but when it repeated a couple of times, I realized that I had to do something, because this F wanted to eat from our stuff and maybe fight us for it. So I walked to the nearest bush rattled it wildly and yelled to the predator that looked like Yeti to get the hell away. A few seconds later we heard it take of in the most relaxed manner. My friend stepped next to me and I took her hand and places it over my heart region on my chest. It was pounding wildly. It was really intense and within the next couple of minutes we decided that we are the cool type of crazy for enjoying this kind of stuff. Around 2007 I used to go hiking in remote parts of India. Once I was visiting a friend of mine working in a very remote village, back then the village had no electricity. I have been to this village couple of times before, it's a long bus journey to reach the nearest road that leads to the village, this road itself is pretty secluded and sees only two buses a day, it's a four mile walk through the fields to reach the village. I got down the bus in middle of the night, I started walking down the fields to the village. It's a full moon day so there was enough light to walk without any flashlights. It was a very cold day but I was feeling dehydrated from the bus journey. I walked to the nearest well in a farm to get some water. 
Once I finished drinking I started walking back and looked at a really huge tree nearby and I was terrified to see a young lady sitting under the tree with bulged out eyes looking right at me. I was frightened at the sight but tried to ask aloud what she doing there at that time but she didn't reply and was just looking at me with no movement. It's a mile from there to the village and I started running at full speed. When I reached the village I was running fever and it took me a day to fully recover from that shock. Later I have been told that it's a tradition in that village neither to bury nor to cremate a woman when she dies pregnant but just to leave the body outside the village after a ritual. In June of 1995 a man sightseeing in Quebec snapped 76 photos and made four videos of an area known as Parc des Seven Chutes, or Seven Chutes Park. Near Saint-Georges-de-Beauce, Quebec. As he browsed through the pictures, something odd caught his eye in photo number 32. There appeared to be something strange standing amid the trees. When the photo was enlarged, a tall brown figure with a baboon-like snout becomes clearer. Not only that, it seems to be clutching a white dog, and appears to be staring towards the photographer. He had not seen it when he took the pictures. The photographer, who wishes to remain anonymous, went back to the area and had photos taken with a man standing in the same spot for comparison, as well as to see if there could be another explanation. Some skeptics have suggested it is a rock formation but the subsequent area photos do not support this theory. Others claim it's simply a case of pareidolia, the phenomena of seeing faces or other distinct images in objects such as clouds, tree formations, or even a cinnamon roll. Remember the famous cinnamon roll that had the uncanny likeness to Mother Teresa of Calcutta? There seems to be more than that to this particular image, however. So what is the thing, and why is it holding a small dog? If it's a Bigfoot, it doesn't match up with most descriptions by Bigfoot eyewitnesses. This animal has a snout like a dog or wolf, leading some to call it a dog man or a werewolf. As I stood at the edge of the uncharted territory, my heart pounding with a mix of excitement and trepidation. The group of inexperienced hikers had gone missing somewhere within this vast and treacherous wilderness area and time was running out. The weather had taken a turn for the worse, and I knew that every minute counted. With my expert knowledge of the terrain and survival skills, I had been entrusted to lead the search and rescue mission. There were 15 people on my SAR team, and we had a task of finding these hikers. Do know that I had seen my fair share of wonders and dangers, but what awaited me deep within those woods was something entirely new. Ignoring the cautionary voice in the back of my mind, I decided to venture alone into the uncharted area. Leaving my team who camped nearby. The woods grew darker, the trees towering above, casting long, ominous shadows. My footsteps were silent, my senses heightened. The wind whispered through the branches, as if warning me of an imminent danger. Suddenly, a chill ran down my spine and I felt an unexplainable presence. And then, I saw it. Standing amidst the trees, bathed in an ethereal glow, was an unknown creature. Its humanoid-shaped head had eyes as black as the night, its hunched back giving it a sinister appearance. Its mouth was stretched wide open, 
frozen in a scream that seemed to echo through the silence of the forest. The creature appeared pale, almost sickly, with a hauntingly anorexic appearance. I reached for my camera, desperate to capture evidence of this extraordinary encounter. My hands trembled as I tried to focus, but before I could press the shutter, the creature vanished into the darkness, leaving me in disbelief. Returning to the team's camping spot, I eagerly shared my encounter, hoping for understanding and support. But instead, disbelief greeted me. They accused me of playing games, of trying to divert attention from our mission. Their skepticism stung, but I couldn't let it deter me. The lives of the missing hikers depended on our efforts. We continued our search, our determination unwavering. With every step, I couldn't shake the image of the unknown creature from my mind. It gnawed at me, filling me with a mix of fascination and dread. But I knew that finding the hikers had to remain our priority. Days turned into nights, and the wilderness tested our resolve. We scoured every inch of the park, following any lead, yet the hikers remained elusive. Exhausted and discouraged, we gathered around the flickering fire one evening, hoping for a breakthrough. I took a deep breath, mustering the courage to share my story once more. As I recounted the encounter, the flickering firelight danced on their skeptical faces. But this time, there was something different. A glimmer of doubt, a shadow of curiosity. Weary and with nothing to lose, we decided to expand our search to areas we hadn't explored before. Days stretched into weeks, and then, finally, a breakthrough. A distant cry for help echoed through the woods, filling us with renewed hope and adrenaline. We followed the sound, pushing through dense foliage until we reached a small clearing. There, amidst the tangled undergrowth, we found. Nothing. It's like some creature mimicked the sounds of voice of lost hikers. Even though we searched the whole park, we never found them. I was 18 years old, spending time at my aunt's house for a family reunion, when a powerful headache and stomach discomfort suddenly struck me. Overwhelmed by drowsiness, I decided it was best to go to bed. As I closed my eyes, a bewildering shift occurred, I found myself in a peculiar metallic room, lying on a cot-like bed, utterly immobilized. Surrounding me were four humanoid beings, each standing at a height of four feet. They possessed a slender physique and wore tight-fitting gold-colored outfits with matching gold sandals. Their hands, notably, had six fingers. In an unexpected turn of events, a door materialized on the metallic wall, and a tall figure entered the room. This figure resembled an exceptionally attractive man, with white skin, blonde hair, and a radiant aura surrounding him. Clad in a long white tunic that reached his ankles, he wore silvery sandals. I noticed a gold ring on his finger, featuring the imprinted image of a pyramid. The tall, blonde individual approached me while one of the shorter humanoids handed him a transparent sphere containing an electronic chip-like device. Placing the sphere over my forehead, it levitated before hovering over various parts of my body, eventually disappearing. At that moment, the blonde man drew nearer, and through a form of telepathy, without moving his lips, he assured me not to be afraid. Intrigued, I asked why I was chosen, 
to which he explained that it was due to my possession of a unique and special energy from birth. Soon after, I regained my ability to move, and they guided me into another room that appeared to be a control center. Inside, three of the shorter humanoids operated various consoles. Suddenly, a massive screen became visible, displaying the alignment of planets. I watched as the Earth appeared, albeit inverted. Then, a scene resembling a nuclear explosion unfolded, depicting immense death and destruction. I received a warning that humanity was on a path leading to such devastation unless we changed our ways. As I took in the profound revelation, another door came into view. I noticed a vast hangar filled with numerous dome-shaped disc objects. The tall, blonde figure noticed my gaze and proceeded to touch my forehead with a finger. In an instant, I found myself back in bed. For the following three hours, I remained in a state of mental confusion, trying to make sense of the extraordinary encounter. I'll never forget that fateful evening when my friend and I encountered the mysterious creature in the entrance zone of the natural park. It was already getting dark, and the forest border seemed to be closing in on us. We had heard strange canine sounds all along the way, as if some creature was upset and following us, but we kept our calm as best we could. Finally, we reached the car park near the fence at the entrance door. My heart was pounding as my friend switched on the car's lights. And that's when he saw it, a towering six-foot-tall dogman, standing just a few meters away on the other side of the fence. My friend was colorblind, so he couldn't tell me the color of its eyes, but their shine in the darkness was enough to terrify him. I couldn't see the creature directly, but the fear in my friend's eyes was enough to convince me that something was terribly wrong. We wasted no time and quickly drove away from there, leaving the strange creature behind. It didn't follow us, but the memory of that encounter haunted us for a long time. As we tried to make sense of what we had witnessed, my friend shared a chilling story with me about his father and his sister's ex-boyfriend. They had their own eerie encounter just a week before, behind the chalet located near a big marsh, connected to the natural park. That night, they were drawn outside by a commotion and found a large black dog with broad shoulders eating something in the bushes. But this was no ordinary dog, it quickly turned its attention towards them and started growling menacingly. Fearing for their safety, my friend's father grabbed a large stick, preparing for the worst. But then, to their shock, the creature stood up on two legs, taking on an almost human-like appearance. The father was bewildered by the sight, and the ex-boyfriend turned pale as a ghost. After a tense moment, the dogman took a few steps towards them but eventually backed away, returning to all fours and swiftly disappearing into the marsh. My friend's father and the ex-boyfriend decided not to tell him about the creature standing up on two legs, believing it might have been too traumatizing for him. Little did they know that a week later, he would come face to face with the same mysterious entity, and the truth would come to light. Since that summer, my friend's family never encountered the dogman around their chalet again. We couldn't determine if it was merely passing through the area or if it still lurked nearby, avoiding human contact. Perhaps, others in the area had similar experiences but kept silent about it, either out of fear or disbelief. 
We often wondered if there was a connection between the dogman we encountered and the one seen by my friend's family. The proximity of the natural park and the chalet suggested they might be part of the same pack or group. But regardless of the truth, one thing was certain, we had experienced something beyond the ordinary, something that would forever remain etched in our memories, and we would always tread carefully whenever we ventured near that bordering forest or the marsh. When I was maybe seven or eight I spent the better part of a month at a cabin in the woods with my grandpa and my little cousin. This cabin was up from Fontana Lake in North Carolina. My papa grew up there and was on his way out, and I guess he just wanted to spend time with some of his grandkids and show us what his life was like before he passed. The trip was great I had an absolute blast, but there was two bizarre events that I still can't fully wrap my head around. There was like a half a mile gravel road that stemmed from an awful one lane road that ended at a dirt trail, which led to the front porch of the cabin. It was out of the way, up in the woods, and had no one near it. This cabin is slash was small and smelled like mildew. It had a living room, kitchen, and bedroom no bathroom everything was tiny. You had to either go outside or walk a few miles to the docks. Papa said he'd had problems with bobcats at night climbing around the cabin and yelling so if we heard something strange outside we shouldn't be alarmed. This of course alarmed us. A few nights into the stay around 1.30am me and my cousin were woken up by a knock on the door. We were asleep in the living room and my papa was in the bedroom. I wasn't about to answer the door and my cousin was freaking the hell out. We waited in paralyzed silence as the knocks continued and got louder until it was basically someone or something kicking the door. Not surprisingly they didn't wake up my papa. the man's snores were house shakingly loud and you'd basically have to slap him to get him up. Once the kick started the fear induced paralysis wore off and turned into absolute panic. I bolted to the bedroom, and shook my papa awoke. Upon hearing the banging at the door he grabbed his revolver. He then went to the door, and without saying anything just shot a few rounds through the door and went back to bed. My cousin and I didn't sleep after that. The next day my papa simply said no one has any business being up here. The porch surprisingly was clean, but the dirt path, gravel driveway, and road were blood soaked. The blood went across and down the road, and ended near the docks. The police never came, and nothing was ever said about it again. I told my mom once after my papa had passed, and she wasn't shocked at all. She even said my papa and his brother shot a pedophile in Mississippi after he tried to prostitute some little girls to them, while they were on a fishing trip. My papa was a hard-boiled stubborn God-fearing man and I miss him, even if he did occasionally shoot people. Next up, during the second week we took a pontoon boat to the dam. Near the shore of the right side of the dam was a dead snake half on land half and half in the water seriously 40 plus feet in length. It was easily longer than the boat and bloated. My papa said there was an abandoned zoo and it probably came from that and had just been living around the lake. Not so much mysterious or creepy, but definitely weird. I live in western Montana and live on a reservation known as the Blackfoot Nation. My father is a tribal member and my mother is not, 
I am therefore a white descendant and have grown up experiencing both sides of the culture. Both whites and Indians have stories that they rarely tell. When my father was born he was conscious. This is something he would never tell a stranger but I am telling you what he told me. He remembers being in a waiting room before birth and surrounded by thousands of babies. Some were deformed, and some were sickly. There were black, Asian, and other races and one of them was covered in hair. It's impossible for me to explain this part better than he could but basically he saw the waiting room for souls. He was one of the few who were led through. I am only sharing this detail because as a child I had dreams about the hearing man and his family before I was ever exposed to the concept of Bigfoot. These dreams were frightening and unexplained and only made sense years later when my father related this to me. In my opinion the hairy man is somehow related to this area in a big way. My ancestors, having been the first to settle this area, have had extensive experiences with a hairy man. Sasquatch may be a part of my genetic memory as well as my father's and our grandfather's. My father was born with precognition of the hairy man. As a small boy he was playing in the living room with many brothers when one of them burst through the door screaming and crying for my grandmother to come out and make him go away. This was the first time the hairy man had appeared in my father's life. My uncle, also a child at the time, had seen a Sasquatch in this small garden out back which is next to a small creek. The Sasquatch was stealing vegetables and ran off after being seen. Nobody spoke of this event afterwards. Sasquatch was taken for granted back then. As the years went by my father reached his early twenties and stories had been popping up around the reservation about a wild man breaking into houses and scaring children at night. The wild man was said to be very large and smelly. One family in particular started to be visited by the hairy man almost every night. They would come home and see the door left open, their food taken, and the animals cowering under the table. This routine was so familiar that they treated it as a common occurrence, like the family ghost as my father put it. Everyone started to lock their doors at night. Dogs were acting cowardly for no apparent reason. The wild man was having his way. He was getting bold. He started to break into houses during the middle of the day. Children would see him. The tribal police were called and meetings were held. The town was becoming more and more shaken up by the presence of this unknown intruder. This was when something incredible happened to the particular family who was favored by the hairy man. One night, while standing on the porch, the father was yanked off by his feet in full view of the entire family. They screamed and huddled together and cried. Well, whatever it was, fought with the father on the porch. The sounds of fighting and screaming was traumatic for the kids. They are now grown up like myself and I wonder to this day how much this affected their lives. The father was gone for days. Whatever it was that had taken him had carried him off into the night after the struggle on the porch. There was blood on the grass and the family grabbed neighbors and other men of the community to help recover the father. The men got together and followed the signs and trails left by whatever it was. There were drops of blood and signs of something very large passing through. They followed this trail all the way to the very creek where my uncle had spotted a Sasquatch when he was a boy. They followed the creek all night. When the men returned the next day they didn't speak a word. 
a whole group of grown men and not one of them was willing to speak about what happened. They had however found the father and recovered him. He was beaten black and blue over his entire body. He had broken arms and legs. The father was in shock and incoherent. He couldn't speak a word. One of my uncles had gone to see the man and his family in the hospital. There was a fair amount of good will being shown to the family that went through this horrible experience. Nobody knew what happened, only that the father was close to death and that the family was very shaken up. My uncle stopped by to pay his respects and saw for himself the father lying in the hospital. His eyes were bulging wide. He was trembling constantly. This man had been beaten badly. He died that night and to this day nobody knows what grabbed him or what happened to him. To this day the men who went on the recovery mission to save him have kept their stories to themselves. Only a select circle, including my father, remembers these incidents. All that I was told was that those men found what it was that took the father. They found the hearing man and they killed it with high power rifles and buried the body. The men who did this feel incredibly guilty. The older generation told us to avoid the Sasquatch and leave them alone because they are human beings. They are not animals and they are not magic. But they can most certainly be monsters and this is one story that corroborates that. I am a 20-year-old man and for years I've been witnessing people with granola texture. My first encounter was in Kansas as a young boy. They were about 3 feet tall, with yellow eyes and skin textured like granola. I would wake up in the middle of the night to see these two things staring back at me. I would often close my eyes really hard or turn the other way. The countless times I'd tell my parents they'd brush it off as a kid just being a kid. That's understandable. Although one day when I woke up after them being there the previous night, there were two sets of tiny handprints on my bedside. The prints were not human handprints, but rather where someone put their fingerless hands on my nightstand. The handprints were made up of disgusting granola. My parents baffled by it brushed it off as me having a midnight snack. These encounters happened for three years in Kansas. Now I've lived and visited in several other states where I encountered these things. Now I understand as a child we are impressionable by certain things. However, I know I physically saw these things and continued to see them into my teen years. As I've lived in other states, I've had encounters, but this would be an essay if I wrote about them. Has anyone encountered anything similar? I have yet to find a similar case to this and would be interested to hear from the community. We were sitting in our living room, enjoying the open window and the peacefulness of our rural surroundings when one of us noticed a peculiar sight. There, not too far away, rested a silvery-gray metallic object with a cupola-like shape on the ground. Its bottom displayed a deep blue-black color, and it emitted a beam of matching hue from its middle section. The beam briefly swept across the nearby woods before switching off. Intrigued, we both witnessed this extraordinary object and decided to take a closer look. Approaching the object cautiously, one of us observed its small metallic legs providing support. The upper part of the craft appeared transparent, revealing the presence of two small humanoids inside. Their appearance was described as ugly, 
with crooked beak-like noses and green-brown spots covering their bodies. These beings had large bulging eyes, pointed chins, prominent mouths, and pointed ears. They wore shiny gray helmets adorned with antennae, featuring a yellow line at the center. Additionally, they sported black gloves and clothing. The witness who approached could also discern numerous gauges and levers within the craft. In a sudden movement, the nearest being made a gesture, resulting in a blinding light that overwhelmed the witness, causing them to stumble backward. As the craft swiftly took off, emitting a whistling sound, the witness's eyes were left irritated, and they briefly experienced a state of shock in the aftermath of the encounter. On the evening of July 11, 2023, I walked outside my house to investigate why my neighbor's dog was wildly barking. I live in a small town in northern Minnesota. I went through the door at the side of my house that is also connected to the garage. Anyways, while I was standing by the side of my house wondering what the dog was barking at, I looked to my right, where there was a small empty lot full of grass and bushes, and I saw something about the size of a Great Dane with large pitch black eyes looking at me. It was light brown, had long fur, and was standing in the grass about 30 yards from me. I think its face was like a monkey? Actually, it reminded me of a baboon, but there's no way that is what it was. Anyways, I'm almost 100% sure it wasn't a dog, cat or anything else. I screamed so loud that my neighbors ran out and started to look for whatever it was. My neighbors grabbed his rifle and walked into the lot. After several minutes he returned and said that whatever it was growled at him, but it was hidden in the bushes. He said the growl was unlike anything that he had ever heard before. He is a hunter and is very familiar with the local wildlife. Whatever it was could be heard running off. I called the local police and reported the sighting. Has anyone else reported anything like this? I need answers. I'm fearful that it may come back. I often find myself pondering about something or someone I encountered during one of my drives through the desert on the road to Ajo. Each year, my friends and I would make a trip to Puerto P. Nasco, Mexico, to indulge in fishing and revel in the beauty of the Sea of Cortez. To avoid the scorching heat, we would depart from Colorado's San Luis Valley around 3 p.m., embarking on our journey to Ajo in the early hours of the morning, around 3 a.m. It was during one of these trips that an intriguing incident unfolded. On that particular night, I was behind the wheel of a rental car while my companions dozed off. Suddenly, I was passed by a naked man sprinting in the opposite lane of the road. He moved with remarkable speed, barefoot and seemingly determined. Startled, I hit the brakes and checked my rearview mirror, half expecting to offer assistance. To my surprise, the man swiftly disappeared into the desert, vanishing from sight. As I continued my drive, I kept a vigilant eye out for any signs of a stranded car or someone in need, but the road remained deserted. The incident left me unsettled, leaving me with a lingering sense of unease. The following year, in the same vicinity, at around the same time of night, I found myself dozing in the backseat of the car. Briefly roused from my slumber, I glanced out of the window and beheld a striking sight. 
In a ditch alongside the highway, I spotted an intricately carved, large stone dog, reminiscent of the stone carvings found in Chinese art. The sight triggered a thought in my mind, suggesting a connection to skinwalkers, though I couldn't be certain. These experiences continue to intrigue me, leaving me with an enduring sense of wonder and a desire to unravel the mysteries of the desert. I want to share a weird experience my husband and I had. It happened about a year and a half ago. San Bernardino County has a place we visit, in the mountains. We gather medicine, or we gather some things for homeo purposes. On the road where we intend to do this, the layout of the land is significant so let me explain it to you briefly. It's a wide open road and a dead end on one side. You can see in either direction from the hill. You take a dirt road to a T-shaped. We walk up this dirt path, up the hill, to where we need to collect the stuff. We were up there picking stuff and my husband and the dog were on one side and I was on the other side. So, my bag becomes full. I proceed down the dirt road, to where our van is parked on the main street. And just before I get there, mind you, you can see in either direction. A car appears out of nowhere, right behind our van and it's a red car. There are no distinguishing logos or anything. I've never seen a car like it but it's rather sporty looking. As a result, the car appears out of nowhere, spins around, and circles around the van. I get nervous. I walk up the hill with my husband. He comes back down to me and this man gets out of the car and honks, 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 and he starts walking up the hill. I got a very odd feeling. It was really odd. My husband and I go back down the hill towards the van and he disappears. Gone. Both of us were right there. The car, the man, everything, gone. There was nothing. In front of our eyes. My husband was there too. When I was a little kid we lived in the country on top of a hill, about 15 miles of dirt road. It's about 7 miles going up, once at the top there is a valley with a nice clearing for about half a mile. One year around dusk we heard airplanes, big ones and a lot of them. So of course we all go outside to see what's going on. It was literally raining men. Apparently the army was using our hill for training. At some point my dad put us on our roof so we could all get a really good view. It was so cool. Someone came and asked everyone on the hill to turn off our lights, only about six houses, because it was causing the men to jump earlier or go off point. Many landed in trees and you could the hurt ones yelling and one guy landed just across our road in the power lines. My dad had to go stay with him until someone could turn the power off so they could cut him down. He was freaked out about anything touching him, understandable. For the next week we would see these men roaming the hills, and every once in a while one would ask for water. Of course being neighborly as country folk or they always got a meal. I don't think they were supposed to make contact with us but a few would. I was 11 years old and it was the first time I was home alone late at night. And obviously like all great scary movies it was thunder and lightning out on this specific night. 
So I'm sitting in my living room watching TV trying to pretend like I'm not terrified. Ignoring the lightning and thunder when I hear it for the first time, a bang on my front door. It's loud and immediately my heart stops, I try to ignore it and go back to watching TV when again another bang. At this point I'm shitting my pants, I don't know what to do. I'm 11 years old, no cell phone to call anyone and if I get up to use the landline I have to walk right past the front door. This goes on for literally like an hour just loud bangs on my front door. Sometimes just one sometimes a couple in a row. Finally I'm like eff it. I'm making a beeline for the phone and calling my pap seeing when he's gonna be home. I sprint past my door in hopes whoever the murderer at my front door is. Won't some home see me cross the hallway 10 feet in front of him and dial my dad. Tell him what's happening so he comes home right then and there. I sit in fear frozen next to the phone for until he gets home. He finally comes home and lets me know the reason I've been shaking in fear for the past hour. It is cause I forgot to close the screen door and it's been swinging in the wind off the house back and forth, F me right. He still makes fun of me from time to time about it. When I was 16, around 20 years ago, damn I'm old, I was an angsty teen and my dad wanted to go camping with me to reconnect. He let me invite a couple of my friends and we camped out in this groom spot that was adjacent to a neighborhood. It wasn't a real camping spot, so to speak, more like a wooded area in a populated area that was carved out for recreational camping. I call it city slicker camping. Anyway, we made camp and a dinner. Later that night, an argument broke out between my two friends and I took one of them, Nick, out with me on a walk to cool off. It was around midnight and while we were in a relatively populated area, my friend brought along a replica gun as a form of protection. Being a replica, it couldn't really protect us, but we figured that if we ran into some unruly people, we could scare them off with it, very stupid, I know. Well, during our walk, we somehow made it out of the camping area and made our way into the adjacent neighborhood. By this point, it was getting really late and we had been walking for a good hour and a half. Earlier we had passed by what looked to be an old elementary school when Nick started telling me ghost stories to freak me out. It worked. This went on for a little while until I got so freaked out, I wanted to head back. Because I was a scared little girly boy, I demanded the gun from him and we decided to head back. By this time, it was closing on 2 am and we were passing by the elementary school again. Just a quick for your information, we were walking on a paved street. We decided against walking on the sidewalk because we were rebels and there was zero traffic out. Anyway, as we passed by the school again, we both heard a ringing sound. I had no idea was it was at first, but it was a little ways behind us. We both turned around at the same time, but saw nothing. We were thoroughly spooked by this point and started walking really fast back to camp. We were still a good hour and a half away, so we had a long way to go. As we walked faster, we heard the ringing again, but it was much closer. Judging by the sound, I figured it was around 20 or 30 feet behind us. We both stopped in our tracks and looked at each other. It wasn't a planned move, but I think since we were so spooked already, we didn't want to just turn around. 
We had seen enough horror movies to know what happens when you just turn around after hearing a creepy sound. After making eye contact, we slowly turned our heads to look at whatever was making the ringing sound. We saw a little girl, not more than 10 years old, riding around on a bike. She didn't look supernatural or anything. She looked real as any other little girl, but she was wearing a very thin dress and she was riding a bike around in circles. I had come to the conclusion that the ringing sound was from a bell on the bike. It was relatively cool out and I had a hard time staying warm wearing a thick sweater and hat. This girl was in a pale dress frilly and was riding around on a bike at close to 2 am. Spooky as hell, but since she wasn't see-through or have glowing eyes, we kinda relaxed a bit. We both turned around and started walking again, but after a few seconds I heard the ringing sound again but it was really close to us at this point. Like right behind us. I turned around very quickly to ask her one simple question, why are you riding around at night following us? But no one was there. It was like as if she just vanished into thin air. Sounds corny as hell, but hey, that's what happened. I turned around and from what my friend tells me, I was as white as a sheet. I guess he knew something was wrong and he just started sprinting. I was already thinking the same thing so I was right there with him. We made it back to camp in nearly half the time it took us to get out there in the first place. All the anger from the previous argument had subsided and it was just us recounting our ghostly tale to my dad and buddy. Good times were had after that, but I will never forget that experience. I'm sure there is a logical reason behind what happened, but it's still fun to think about it and on occasion it still creeps me out. I live in the middle of the nowhere, like, get Google Maps up, zoom out four times before you see anything but green around my house, in the UK. My house is also over 300 years old, and I have a couple things to share. I'm self-employed, so I spend most of my time alone out here while my mum, who I live with, the house is legally mine now, but I also grew up in it, is at work. None of this is supernatural at all just creepy country folk. So I'll start small. There are the old foundations of some stone houses up on the hill behind us, dug right into the rock, the same rock our house is made of, incidentally. Me and my childhood BFF used to hang out up there in what we imagined to be the basement of this long-gone house. All that's left are some eroded stone steps down and the indentation in the hillside of the basement-slash-foundations. We didn't do anything, really, except sit and talk. We went up there every day for weeks one summer, and then one day, we both get this very powerful sense of dread, that we shouldn't be there. We both said, in our own way, that the fairies didn't want us there, ha, British kids tilde, like. I know I, at least, could almost feel the force of someone's dislike for my presence shoving at me. And then suddenly, we're just running. I honestly remember very little, we were sitting there, suddenly freaked out, and then hurtling down the hillside, across two fields, over my garden gate, and inside the house, in what felt like seconds, but had to be minutes. I must have slipped at some point because I had sheep poop streaked all the way up my side, but I don't remember falling. LMAO I'm 27 now and I flat out won't go to that place, I'll go around it, I'll go near it 
but I am not stepping foot in what I feel like are its boundaries. Never again. 2. We've had search helicopters hovering low all around us and over the wood for nights in a row, and have never been told what they're doing. Spotlights, the works. Nothing on local news. Sometimes, I can't help but feel like there is something going on there, other times, I think, nah, it'll just be training ops. I don't know. Seems like an intense training op, if so, and at 11 p.m. to a.m.? 3. Another time we went walking in the woods, as we often did when I was younger, and found a dirty mattress just lying there in the dirt. Thing is, this wood is not bordered by any roads at all, nor do any pass through it, to get a mattress deep into it like that, you'd have to park half a mile away from the tree line and drag it over at least two fields, including climbing the fences, and then up a hill through densely packed trees and brambles. No idea why someone would do that. I mean, I know getting laid is a big deal and all, but. There are other woodlands round here closer to the road. Often at night something will land very heavily on our roof and scrabble and skitter across the tiles, not like talon scraping, which we're used to, but the skittering of a four-legged mammal. It's loud enough to wake us both up, and spook the cat badly. There's really no way for anything that doesn't have wings to be landing on our roof, though, no trees overhanging at all. It'd be easy enough to climb the gutters, but this thing sounds like it's landing from a height. All I can think is that owls are dropping the feistier rats they catch on our roof by accident, but it seems like a stretch for that to happen so often. Can't comfortably explain it, gives me the creeps. On nights after I've heard it I'm always more reluctant to go outside after dark. 3. Some sort of beetle or something has been eating my window frame. Like, chunks of the wood are missing. I hear it start to click away at it at night. But when I open my shutter and try to spot the little bugger, there's nothing to be seen except the bite wounds on the wood. 4. We had a neighbor, three fields over, who was a big-time child psychiatrist in the 60s, but who when she was at her conferences, used to leave her son outside alone in the car for six to seven hours at a time, in all weathers. The pair of them both creeped me the fuck out, well, he still does. She collected dolls, like a classic horror movie weirdo, and had UV-sensitive skin so had to wear a raincoat, elbow-length gloves, a sun hat and shades in all weathers, literally couldn't have been better nightmare fuel for a child. One time I cycled past her house and she was just standing, full raincoat, on her doorstep with her arms outstretched, and her head down, face hidden by the hood of the coat, perfectly still. But in truth, I think she was actually harmless just a little weird. Her son, though, turned out to be an S offender if you know what I mean. Five young victims, that we know of, after his mom died, and he still lives in her house, two fields over. Sure does feel safe. Five. A little girl walked up and down the nearest road calling for her daddy. Not distressed, just like a bored kid who was being kept waiting. But I have no idea who she was. Nobody round here has children or grandchildren. Went to find the closest neighbor's number so I could alert them, and she was gone by the time I'd finished speaking to them. 5. Guy closest to us, one field over, has had his hunting dogs taken off him by the RSPCA three times. 
He keeps them in a tiny sheet metal shack with no outdoor access except once a week, or less, when he takes them hunting. He keeps managing to get more despite the court order and you can very often hear him screaming at them, and them yelping. To end on a light note, I have really disturbed sleeping habits so tend to work from 7pm 5am most days, and will usually still be awake until 6-7am. One such morning in October last year, there's a very heavy frost, a light mist, it's just early enough for the birds to still be quiet in the trees. I'm writing upstairs and I hear this long, low, guttural bellow. Nothing like a cow. All I can describe it as is it sounded like the sound effects they use for dinosaur noises in Jurassic Park. Silence. And then another bellow, this one louder and longer. I'm quietly freaking the F out because, in 26 years in the countryside, I know my animal noises, and I've never heard anything like this. For a surreal moment my brain just can't fit that noise into any sensible form of reality, and I actually, seriously, honestly believe some sort of time-slip dinosaur or, fuck, a stranded alien? Is injured or dying in our field. The bellowing sounds again, this time ending in a high-pitched wail, even more like a movie dinosaur than before. I carefully make my way downstairs and outside into the garden which would definitely get me killed in any horror movie, I'd quit I was thinking. I tiptoe in the direction of the noise, now a series of low, throaty rumbles, rather like a bear, totally ready to find myself at the center of a major world event, or else a major government cover-up, and I see. A stag. It was a stag. His harem. Had strayed and he wasn't happy about it. It was a stag. I feel certain that most Americans would have already guessed that, but man, in the UK to see deer in the wild is honestly very rare outside of certain limited locations, they're the only deer I've ever seen around here, let alone heard. And he was. Amazing. Like, I'd only ever seen stags like that on postcards and in documentaries. Breath steaming in the cold, huge rack of antlers, head tipped back all the way and just yelling at the sky. His doe a deer of female deers turn out to be around the back of my house, hence him aiming all of his unearthly bellows in our direction. And I just stand and watch, stunned, as the three of them bounce over the fence and rejoin them, and they all just melt into the tree line. I'm 31 years old and from central Pennsylvania. But this story takes place back in September of 2008 when I lived in Ohio. At that time my best friend Sierra and I went to a state park named Hocking Hills Inn for a day retreat from our busy lives. We had decided on this at random when we first got together early in the morning just after sunrise. It was a nice warm late summer day and we just got the wild notion to go for a drive to Hocking Hills since the area is well known for its several walking trails a cave or two, and several waterfalls and running water, creek areas. The day was very warm maybe roughly 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 21 degrees Celsius so we had worn shorts and short-sleeved t-shirts. We started down a trail at random and found that part of the trail had been washed out so we had to take another path which according to our phone's GPS tool would force us to cross a small country road. 
As we played with our mobile phones and noted it was roughly 12 noon EST we happened to be passed by a group of seemingly odd backpackers before we reached the road and one of the people gripped my shoulder and turned me around to warn us to be aware of a washout up ahead if we were going to take the trail into the woods instead the person who stopped us let go of my shoulder and recommended we follow the trail nearby which would go next to the forest fire lookout tower instead as it bypassed a small clump of downbrush. As we crossed the road to the tower trail we noticed there was caution tape all over the fire tower, there was a pungent smell in the air which we could not identify, the windows on top of the tower appeared to be taped up, grimy, and there were flies all over the area. We walked past it, commenting on how odd it was, and continued down the trail we had been recommending to take, but it was one neither of us had noticed before on a previous walk to the area. This trail took us past the fire tower and then cut into the woodlands, as we walked into the forest maybe 1,500 feet or 457 meters or so we took notice that no one seemed to be around and in fact not only did we feel isolated from others but we felt very chilled without explanation. Sierra pointed it out verbally while I was thinking it, but we just continued walking. Eventually, the air started to get noticeably chillier and damper. This did not seem unusual at first but as we continued to walk the air seemed to go from warm to what felt like the mid-50s Fahrenheit or 10 Celsius and we started to shiver. It was also getting darker as we continued forward. At first, I thought it was just due to the green leaves on the trees and maybe a passing cloud overhead but the darkness really did not improve as one expected. As we walked we looked around and there was nothing but trees on all sides. There should have been a forest edge somewhere as the area wasn't really that big but aside from some hills and tall pine trees there wasn't a real ending to the woods like we expected as the area tends to be narrow and normally you can see the edges. My friend took out her phone to use her GPS because she instinctively felt lost but her battery was nearly gone, I took mine out of my back pocket and it had no signal, the battery was also near dead, and showed EE for the time meaning it couldn't update as it was an older style flip phone with a camera and when set to auto adjust would contact the mobile phone network every 15 minutes. It was only then as the light grew dimmer that I noticed the area seemed very silent, our footsteps, the leaves we stepped on, grass, twigs, and our breathing just echoed. Sierra got spooked and I did too. She mentioned it was very out of the ordinary and I agreed but I couldn't shake this sense of foreboding that something was amiss. I tried to rationalize it but I really, honestly, couldn't figure any of it out at all. We just pressed onwards and after going down a small hill and back up it seemed to have gotten a lot darker. The world seemed to have gone from just shadowy to near twilight darkness. My friend grabbed my arm and started freaking out about how weird it got. Then the air seemed to have gone still and we had a feeling of something wrong. We both took off running looking for an exit, for some odd reason we never thought to turn around at all and just got back the way we came. It never seemed to occur to us as we ran but the spookiness continued as we could hear our steps echo off the area as things just felt like they grew more gloomy. Then ahead of us down another small dip in the trail, we could see two large honeysuckle bushes on either side of the trail like a gate. We made a mad dash, mostly with her pulling me, for these bushes and just as we pushed through the plant something odd happened, we were overwhelmed by a change in our surroundings as light, 
sound, and warmth returned all at once. It was like stepping outside of a cold, empty, and dark building onto a warm busy street. We stood at the edge of a place known as Ash Cave which has a large waterfall not too far away with a U-shaped cliff. I turned around to look back from where we emerged and while the bushes were the same the area was so different, brighter, not silent for sure, and warm. In fact, our skin was cold to touch which just reinforced the facts. We took out our phones and the time had finally updated, it was now 4 pm. The normal trail would only have taken an hour to walk fully so it was a loss of three full hours. Logic attempted to set in and we decided the trail we came up with must have just appeared creepy because there may have been clouds overhead or a storm blew by but when we went back between the bushes there was no trail. Nothing looked like it had a few seconds ago. Sierra walked around the bushes twice and it was the same bright sunny day with no darkness and no trail. We waited, it was blue sky overhead and we could see the edges of the forest and other people. The trail had simply vanished as if we had never walked it. On returning to the normal trail with the washout we ended up locating an offshoot path which took us back past the fire tower. It was here we noticed it was normal looking as the windows were not taped and very clean, and there was no pungent smell. We don't know what it was, but it certainly was creepy. Of course, I jokingly told her later that day over dinner we had entered the fairy realms by mistake and were lucky to get away. She didn't find that funny of course but either way we both felt we should share this with you and if anyone out there has had a similar experience perhaps they can provide insight or share their own.